This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my guest was on the fast track as a rising executive in the finance and software industries, a path she believed would lead to happiness, only to discover it wasn't the right path after all. After losing herself in a toxic marriage, she learned how to reclaim her identity, emerge on the other side, and also discovered a path to helping other women respark their joy. Fazia Khan, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Liz. I'm so excited to be here. I'm delighted to have you today. Fazia, you are now an entrepreneur, a coach, an author, and a speaker. But to get to this place of living your best life, we do need to travel back in time. You were born in Pakistan, raised in the United States and Canada, and your family upbringing was culturally very, very strict. What was that like? Wow. (laughs) Take me back to those days. It was quite a journey. Leaving Pakistan at the age of four and immigrating to the U.S. in California to be specific, I was with my mom and my brother for a couple of years. Basically, we were just adjusting being in America while we waited for my father to leave the Air Force. He was a fighter pilot back then. Once he retired, we ended up getting together and we moved to Canada for better job opportunities for my parents. That said, I mean, this is a whole new life for them, too. They were doing the best they could to raise two children in a country that is all new to them. Everything that was um, being shared with me, especially as the, the girl in the family, it was very strict. When I went to school, wasn't allowed to speak to boys, ended up not taking gym because you can't wear shorts. And that just culturally was one of the things that I had to adjust to because During a time when you're already centered out as being a minority, it just kind of fueled other people to pick on you, bully you. It was a really tough transition for all of us at that time. And needless to say, going through that and being brought up in a strict environment also had an impact on my confidence and my self-esteem during that time. Sure. Again, no fault of my, my parents, but it was just a really huge adjustment for myself. And that basically carried on. I mean, even in high school, as I mentioned, uh, <laughs> I just felt like you, I was told not to meet, speak to boys. So when I was in classes, I only turned and spoke to other you know, girls. Because of that, I felt very different and isolated mm. in my own world to the point that I ended up having to do things to gain friendship because I didn't want to be different. Yeah. Now let's fast forward a little bit because your parents want to arrange a marriage for you. And they even began flying men in from around the world. I can't even imagine (laughs) what that was like to try and and do this. But you say you realize this is not going to work for me. How did you tell your parents no? Oh, my goodness. Yes. So as soon as I graduated from university, my path in my mind was, let's get on with my career. But their path was, let's get Fazia settled down. Again, being very respectful of my parents' wishes, I was trying to be open to, you know, what is that all about? And yes, I started meeting gentlemen. Like I met someone from California. Someone flew in from LA or Las Vegas. Another one came in from 
uh, Newfoundland. And I was thinking, is this really happening? (laughs) There's no connection. I'm not used to this at all because I've, first of all, never dated. I don't even know what that looks and feels like. It was also uncomfortable conversations because you had those conversations amongst your parents. It was a dialogue technically between the suitor talking to my parents about me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was it was very foreign to me. Can, can we say awkward? <laughs> oh, very awkward, exactly. And, you know, by the fifth person, I just had to say to my, my mom, and luckily both my grandmothers were there and they both agreed. I just, I just wasn't happy. Mm. And so they spoke to my father. I knew, I knew it broke his heart, but I just wasn't there. Yeah. And I really wanted to try and get back into my career and just see maybe that will help me find that right person. Sure. And you did. You threw yourself into your work and you began this very successful career in the banking industry with dozens of people reporting to you. And you noticed one very specific trait, particularly with female clients that would come into the bank to sign paperwork. What did you notice? Oh, yes. When I was a bank manager, one of the things, of course, as part of building your business is, you know, you're, you're doing mortgage in the line of credit. At that time, I started noticing that especially the successful client base where the, the husband was busy working and the wife was at home, you know, raising their kids and so forth. I was doing, you know, more just 500,000 plus. And it would be the husband coming in to sign the paperwork. They would be the one asking the critical questions like, what's the payment frequency? How quickly can we pay this down? All the right questions. And that was great. And then I would set up and talk to the wife when they came in. Well, to my shock, they would be just telling me, Fonzie, don't worry about explaining it. It's okay. My husband, I know you spoke to him. Just tell me where to sign. Mm. I kept thinking, no, 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 you can't just sign. And he's like, no, no, I trust him. I know he's the one that looks after the finances. So I'm good. Uh, I, of course, ended up going through everything. I continue to emphasize to women, understand that if something goes wrong, regardless if you're divorced, widowed, or just bankruptcy, you are equally responsible for this. Mm -hmm. So understand that signature means a lot. But Liz, it happened so often and it still continues to happen today. Yes. Which is frightening. Well, as successful as you were in that industry and as much as you enjoyed that work and really helping women try to understand what they were doing when they were signing (laughs) on that dotted line, like many people, you wanted a relationship. You wanted to find your soulmate. You are back home in Canada, you're taking care of your mom, and all of a sudden you start hearing from men, unbeknownst to you, your mother has put a profile together on a dating site. I can't even imagine it. First of all, how surprised you were that she was doing that, let alone that this was happening. Tell us about that. My gosh, I was mortified. Imagine a bank manager sitting there doing her work. I'm starting to get these emails like, you have a connection and... I'm getting emails of, oh, I would love to meet with you. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a virus or something happening. I need to (laughs) shut this down. Literally 15 minutes later, I'm not responding to anything. My mother calls me and says, how come you're not responding to these emails? And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And she's like, I really want you to settle down. She's telling me, you know, these are great Pakistani profiles. You just, just give it a shot. And I just said to her, I'm really sorry, mom. Like, I mean, I will definitely look for someone, but 
we got to do it my way. (laughs) But my poor mother, she was just so trying hard to kind of... She's trying so hard to help, (laughs) right? Yeah. And again, in my culture, and I'm sure it's in others, as a woman, your cycle in a way is complete once you're married. Right. That's all she wanted for me to feel like my life is complete. And of course, that's not the case, but that's what she knew. Right. That was her experience. That was her world, her culture, her experience. Exactly. Okay, so now you decide to do it your way, and you go on eHarmony, you meet somebody, you think, ah, this is it. You leave your career, you go work with him, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. And you felt you had to keep it a secret, and you did for a year. Yeah. Explain to us why you felt you had to keep it a secret, because I think it speaks to the culture that you grew up in as well. Yes. Basically, when it happened, when he told me that he was leaving me for someone else, I was stunned. First of all, the first thing came to me was, how did I fail in this marriage? What did I do wrong? And I continued to blame myself for something that I may have not done. Between that and I'm feeling ashamed and embarrassed, not good enough, like all those emotions had come up. And talking about a divorce or even a separation, it's taboo. You do not bring up that conversation. So I held it tightly. Uh, in fact, with my immediate family, with my mom, it took me three to four months before I actually told her. Mm. And then after that, my extended family, I mean, I held off for a year more for my mom because of I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable around our family. Mm-hmm. But a year into it, once I did that and I told her reflecting back, I said, do you understand that when I held back and I couldn't be me and express my pain, I actually continued to feel like as if I had done something wrong. And I didn't, but I felt like I did. Did she understand it, you think, at that point when you explained it that way? She did. Once she started to see me come back to the, the other side as in gaining my confidence, she started to recognize how important it was for me to, or for both of us, to talk about it and not to suppress it and not to just hope that someone else will come along that would want to marry me or get into a relationship. Right. It was important for me to feel the pain, go through it, understand, and really find myself in this whole process. Right. Well, obviously, the struggles that you went through to get to the other side of divorce and to rebuild your life, that is now the focus of your work. Once again, you're helping women, but in a different way. Now you're helping them find their spark during and after divorce. In particular, you really want to work with South Asian women. Why this particular group of women? Well, I really sincerely believe, being a South Asian woman myself, that There are a lot of them out there that just don't know what to do. They feel stuck. They know that they can't talk about it. And I want to give them that channel. I want to give them that opportunity to come forward and to be able to talk and to know that it's okay. It has nothing to do with them and everything to do with the circumstances. Things happen. Mm -hmm. And as women, especially in our culture, we take it on that I, as a woman, have done something wrong. That's why it's important for me to let South Asian women know that it is okay. We can talk about it. So please step forward and let's talk. And besides working with South Asian women, I should say that you do work with all kinds of women all over the world. 
you have so many lessons for people to learn just overall for women to learn because the numbers are really startling. A divorce happens every 13 seconds. And of course, most people don't think it's going to happen to them, but it does. What are some of the biggest lessons you want women from all over the world to know? What I really want women to know is, first of all, especially when it comes to your independence, regardless if you're in a marriage or not, please take the time to understand your finances. Also to understand that a relationship does not define you. So regardless of what happens, I just go over this over and over again with women as I help them rebuild their their lives between finances, self-care and rebuilding towards their next best lives. It just keeps coming back to you are enough. You do have what it takes. I've been there between the shame, the embarrassment, lack of confidence. And to know that I'm on the other side, if I can do it, you can absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. As a woman, Liz, I do know that we tend to take things on and feel that we can figure things out because we're intelligent individuals. (laughs) But a lot of times, you just need to talk as a woman, you just need to talk. Well, you are now a certified coach, and you've also been a contributing author to two very successful books. One is called Emerge with Brian Tracy. The other is called The Book on Joy with Jan Frazier. But there's one activity that has brought you much joy, and I bring it up because it's doing the same thing for me. (laughs) You are now (laughs) taking ballroom dancing. You've got to share with us what that feels like. Uh, Ballroom dancing, I took it up in my early 40s, and that's because I wanted to find my inner self, that freedom of expression, and it has brought me so much joy you get an opportunity to express everything that's built up inside of you. I do both Latin and smooth dancing. So it's so much fun. And energy wise, oh my God, it's the best form of exercise. (laughs) So yes. I'm curious, which one is your favorite? I love the cha-cha. I love the merengue. And then on the smooth side, I loved the tango and the waltz. Mm. Honestly, they're all so much fun. Oh, I'm so happy for you because I, I can relate. Folks, if you'd like to learn more about Fazia and the work that she is doing, you can go to her website, which is findyoursparkduringdivorce.com. And it's exactly as I said it, but let me say it again. Findyoursparkduringdivorce.com. We'll also have a link to that in our show notes. Fazia, thank you for being so courageous today to share your story with all of us because This podcast is heard around the world, and I know that there will be many who will appreciate your authenticity and to know that they are not alone. So thank you. Thank you, Liz. This has been an amazing experience. Thank you again for the opportunity to share my message. I've shared this quote many times before, Fazia, with other audiences, and it's from my mom, and I feel like I could and should share it right now. And this quote is this, the goal of living is to be able to absorb all of the pain of life and lose none of the joy. May Fazio's story spark the joy within all of you, no matter what life throws at you. My thanks to all of you for listening and sharing this time together. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.